On today's show, Gelada and I discuss features traditionally reserved for MMOs like World of Warcraft being included in all games no matter the genre. Is this a trend we want to see more of, or just a way to sap more hard-earned cash from gamers? Hello and welcome to another episode of Octal FM. I'm Stefan. And I'm Gelada. And today uh, we're going to have a bit of a follow-on episode, kind of, from our episode we talked about our MMO experiences. And today we were going to discuss sort of the MMOification, I guess, the MMOs in disguise Mm. uh, within kind of games that we found. So kind of like the idea that with tropes and mechanics, I guess, is the sort of way you would describe it, but kind of sneaking into more and more vi- traditional style video gamings yeah it's sort of really a, a, a trend at the moment isn't it for this kind mm. of it's not necessarily a negative trend but it is clearly a trend in yeah, games definitely. having more just using multiplayer in creative ways like don't get me wrong i think it's really interesting not just the standard like you are playing with four other people or you are playing with four thousand people it's like just different ways of augmenting Games that would have traditionally perhaps been very single player focused, you know, very player versus environment games. You know, it it used to be that if you go back far enough, I guess, games would be divided into multiplayer games where which meant that people were playing against each other and then single player games where you played your own story. And then sometimes you had co-op somewhere in the middle there. And now we've almost got this like fourth thing. Melding. Yeah. Well, um, you mean you're feeling you're finding more and more games nowadays because i'm just thinking about like some games recently mm. where it's almost there is not there isn't a distinction and it's almost like there is no quote-unquote single player mode yeah exactly like star wars battlefront is a good example primarily because it's kind of like in the news sort of at the moment as we're recording it's like all the, all the kind of controversy surrounding it and we're not going to get into that but one of the biggest kind of critiques that the initial Star Wars Battlefront, the 2015 version, was it in 2015? Mm. Not the original one back in like 2000 and yeah. was it six? <laughs> Which in fairness is better. Yeah. Um, one of the kind of big critiques that that got was the fact that it didn't have a, mo- a single player element to it. Like it had a fake it single player element. No, not really. Like it, it had, when you say single player, it had like the ability to play the multiplayer matches on your own <laughs> with bots. <laughs> Which got quite a lot of stick. And as a result of it, they added in a very purposeful single-player mode within Battlefront 2. But the problem that a lot of people found was that, like, it still felt almost tacked on. And one of the interesting opinions is that it's almost like a training ground slash sort of, like, expose of what you could be doing in the multiplayer. But then (laughs) to get all those cool things that you did in single-player and multiplayer require all the problems that then came with all the microtransactions. Which, again, we're not going to get into. But that's sort of like a, an example of more and more games sort of not having that dedicated one or the other, and they're kind of melding into one now. Like another game that did it, which has been really successful post-release, weirdly enough, and it's just been getting more popular since its initial release, is um, Rainbow Six Siege. Did you play oh, Siege yeah. yet? Uh, no, I haven't played it. No? Like, it's weird, because when it first came out, it actually had a 
a bit of a lukewarm response and it wasn't mm. super popular but now it's like grown and grown and grown it's, it's weird it's like got more popular as time goes on rather than like declining popularity like most games would do probably. are they still adding stuff to that yeah, yeah yeah i mean in fact like one of the reasons that i thought to talk about it was just because i was on steam like about 10 minutes before we start recording mm. and on the front page it's like the sixth highest selling item currently is mm. tom clancy's rainbow six siege year three pass for 26.99 yeah because i think something was just announced about it oh well it must be it still must be a popular thing you know yeah. they make it three years on and they're still making dlc i think it's three years or like two years on this is the third year so to speak that's just kind of a game with multiplayer though right like a more well, sort that's of- what i'm saying is that there is no sort of single player focus mm. there and again that's moved yeah. into the multiplayer and one of the things that we we sort of like found from doing a little bit of research and kind of talking about this beforehand was that a lot of that is to try and continue player engagement, isn't it? Yeah. Because the easiest way to keep people invested is by having them come back and playing with their friends, playing with new people, generating new stories that could be generated from like a scripted descent, uh, sense. And that then keeps people coming back to pay for that next yeah. expansion or DLC. It's that combination, isn't it, of um, microtransactions and DLC and stuff like that. They are ways of really extracting and in some case some cases increasing the value from one game to the point where you could almost argue you're like well it's not like if you're having to spend lots of time and money as a, as a company building all that dlc and, and supporting this game that's kind of the same costs as building a new game to some extent mm. but it it's going to be drastically reduced in comparison you know you've you've already got the game established yeah you know, you've, a lot you've of the assets are already it. there you know exactly you know all of that stuff so i i would think that a great example of this as well is um gta 5 right Grand definitely Theft Auto 5, because, and that's a really success story isn't it and what's interesting about that is that i don't th- really think i know that they always plan to have an online function but i don't think that even they predicted the how, how long it would last and i think now they're really trying to cap you know continue to capitalize on that oh yeah and it's, definitely it's that kind of like it's a little bit evil to some extent that's sort of like really just like sapping value out of people by getting them to pay more money for essentially the same game but just yeah. new stuff but there's a balance somewhere in the middle there and i think that looking after a game it, there's that's not necessarily a bad thing and you no. know and in the case of gta is still in the you know the best-selling games even four years later you know people are still buying it um and yeah. still buying stuff for it so well that, know, that's it, could, it isn't it because they, they sort of went well we've got this franchise that we know will sell like however many millions of copies it was I, so like well let's try and keep as many of those people still playing the game as long as we can so they the, the single player sort of like hasn't been an interesting fact about gta now for however many years it's been out <laughs> yeah you know and the multiplayer is the only reason that people still play it so much and the but the multiplayer is really good and they know that they can kind of keep people kind of hooked as it were and it's got a more mainstream audience as well where it's like i don't want to say multiplayer games don't have a mainstream audience but gta certainly has a, even a more mainstream audience than a lot of games would do um, yeah our only exceptions would be something like fifa and call of duty i guess yeah and that's still relatively traditional multiplayer right like and it's still at its core it was originally a single player game mm-hmm. but there's another game right the 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 largest kind of new franchise of the time which is destiny yeah that's definitely i'd say that encompasses kind of what we're trying to talk about yeah the most perfectly like it fits yeah. the mold the most 
It's a game where obviously it's multiplayer, but it's a game that it's the multiplayer is very interweaved. It's not like you choose multiplayer on the menu when you mm. load up Destiny and decide to play, you know, and you pick, do I play single player or do I play multiplayer? But it's also not an MMO because it's not one world or, or you know, one in large instance. Um, it's using a lot of clever trickery and technology, stuff that actually wouldn't really have been feasible uh, a few years ago. And that's, mm. you know, part of why we're seeing this now is not just because the idea has been come up with, so to speak, but it's also yeah, because it's something that they can actually there. do. Yeah, like, you know, it's much easier to scale to demand now in such a way that means that the costs are lower. You know, mm-hmm. I, I actually, I, I don't have a, a source for this, apart from that I, like, I met someone who had been to frontier developments who make elite mm-hmm. dangerous which is another game that's kind of related you know in this sort of pool of games he spoke to me about how when they were building elite dangerous elite dangerous is isn't is a sort of mmo like all of these games we're talking about but again it's instanced right like you're not in the same place as everyone all the time yeah. and if an area is busy then you will be chucked with a few people but not everyone in that same yeah. area sometimes it's a little weird but most of the time it works really well yeah, most because it's such a big game normally. Yeah, exactly, and 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 that's the thing, right? Like you've got literally millions of of, of star systems that you can go to. If you had to build a piece of infrastructure such that you could support the maximum number of people in any one of those places, that would be a complete waste because yeah, like no one's going to be there. And so the, this guy that I spoke to explained to me that they had spent a colossal amount of time optimizing the infrastructure and the servers for Elite Dangerous such that they can dial it up and down at a Mm. moment's notice based on the number of people playing. And if there were only like a handful of people left playing Elite Dangerous, it would cost next to nothing to run because it literally, it's just like, it just scales. Yeah, just goes onto one server, it's kind of in the corner sort of thing and that's it, yeah. Uh, which, Which is... We, we we talk about this surprising amount, and maybe it's something we can maybe go into more discussion about. I don't know. It's own dedicated episode, but that sort of like more recent, like the past sort of ten years in March in technology, but also the March of the availability of that technology. Yeah, like that high speed internet access. Yeah, and we've that talked about that before. Universal we? understanding of internet. You know, mm. like if you went back, say ten fifteen years. Yes, you had games that could be played online, even like with PlayStation 2, you know, and the yeah. Dreamcast. They could go online, technically. <laughs> but uh, people, even if the technology was there, people didn't understand what that meant either. It seemed like a bit of a faff. It seemed kind of awkward. Now it's so integrated into people's experiences with technology as a whole. Like, I don't even yeah. want to say gaming, just technology, like yeah. everything. CR, Internet of Things video. Yeah. Uh, video? Episode. Video? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, they're all videos, but people don't realise it. Come on, watch that video. <laughs> yeah, because everything's so integrated now, you don't even think about it. And that does, like you say, make it easier for the developers to do things just like this and people to accept it. And then, like you've just said, it's easy for them now to sort of create the infrastructure to work it properly. Like if you you think about it back in the day, like a more traditional MMO, which we can maybe just discuss as well, like something like World of Warcraft, maybe we can go up even further, like um, like EverQuest, maybe like we talked about an MMO episode like uh, RO, for example. They had maintenance certain yeah. days, you know, like maintenance hours. Like that's so weird to think that you need to shut down all of your servers and run maintenance. 
Yeah. Whereas like now you can just like silently shift people over to another instance of your exactly. infrastructure and do stuff like it. That's not a, it's just not a thing anymore. No, it's so much easier now for developers yeah. um, to to run and to make it always on and be seamless. And this stuff is more accessible as well. Look at Frontier, for example. You know, they're not. Yes, they're a large company, but they're not. I don't know, EA or... or You're going to say Bungie they're not EA or, or Activision or something, yeah. Yeah, and they're able to make this extremely sophisticated infrastructure and support a game where, you know, hundreds and thousands of people can be playing at once. That in itself would have just been a huge project for a team yeah. to undertake to build the infrastructure and and that and that system to support a massively multiplayer online game mm. there, there are mobile games right like mobile games made by tiny studios that have like matchmaking and multiplayer and all of, you know all of this stuff that would have been the realms of you know huge teams a few yeah. years ago giant server stacks you know <laughs> yeah exactly and i guess it's interesting because that then does mean that there are more ideas floating around and people are able to try stuff out and do different things more easily because that infrastructure and that, and being able to build those things is, is easier. And what's really interesting there as well is that you go back, say, 10, 15 years, you used to have to pay to have the privilege of playing online with people, mm, whereas yep. now developers want you to be online yep. and they will not pay you, but you pay the cost of the game and then or sometimes you don't even pay the cost of the game like the game's free and you play online yeah. with people and yeah because they want you to be online because it's more profitable for them to be online because it's so cheap for them to do now yeah exactly and and also now like you say the game might be free but now you have things like microtransactions and let's face it microtransactions whether it's cosmetic or whether it's things to make you bet you you better or whatever it is all of those things fit in a multiplayer game they don't really mm. fit in a single player game dlc does but microtransactions you know whether it's loot boxes or whatever it is that is a is the realms of multiplayer because mm. who cares about your cosmetic thing if it's a single player game and obviously they do exist, right? Like you can't, like there are plenty of games that are single player and you can pay for some DLC to get something better in that game. Like that is a thing, but they are nowhere near as profitable yeah. or, as, or as successful as these games that have an exceedingly long tail of, you know, you can play it for a very, very long time and you can keep spending money. And because mm. it's multiplayer, you know, this was something actually that you mentioned, like your kind of, frustration a little bit with something like destiny if you want to try and like min max destiny the what you do you know like the the gear that you get and the way that you play the game and so on and so forth becomes redundant right it becomes very obsolete. quickly yeah if you do all of that and you get really good and then you stop playing then like in a very short space of time it is now no longer you're no longer awesome still no whereas in a single player game you know it's like it's frozen in time like yeah i'm playing through um the horizon zero dawn dlc at the moment and like from when i completed the main story i have like the best thing and the best weapons and stuff and it's mm. like just because i stopped playing the game for a bit before the dlc came out my progress didn't reverse yeah, yeah and it's like oh you're now rubbish and you've got loads of stuff to do like my rewards and my and my my stature is still the same in the game yeah, your effort hasn't been wasted. Yeah. Because like at the end of the day, a lot of these games, as fun as they are, they often demand some level of effort from you. 
like yeah. Destiny is just kind of the, the whipping boy here because <laughs> um, it, it just fits the example really perfectly. Yeah. You know, it, it's not fun to grind for those really cool, awesome weapons. You know, it isn't, is it? Like, y- it's just busy work. Uh, uh, but you, then you are rewarded for that by having that really awesome weapon. And then, then you can go and kind of do like the, the, the end gamey stuff and the raidy stuff and the kind of like the crucible PVP stuff. And it feels really awesome. But like you're saying, the problem is, is that it doesn't take long for a game like that with these new sort of like forced online components, forced multiplayer components, which are always trying to get you to keep playing, to buy more things for a longer period of time, to add new content, because that's how you retain players, isn't it? By yeah. adding new content. Yeah. It's, it's like, um, I don't, we've not really discussed it that much in all fairness, but it's definitely something I would discuss in the episode. Like with card games, like Magic and Yu-Gi-Oh, for example, the, the way they retain their players is by adding new cards. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. oftentimes the only way to make cards desirable to buy is by making them more powerful. Mm. And then you have that terrible power creep problem. Yeah, exactly. And actually... The other thing as well is that, well, there, there are two things there that I want to add. One of them is that you have that problem where some players play more than others. And so mm. as a developer, that is a very hard thing to like balance out the people that put in more time. Obviously, they should be rewarded more, but you are going to have some people that play for a really long time. And they are the ones that you want to keep around because they're probably also going to spend the most money. Yeah. But also at the same time, that means that the game is like stretched for those people. And that's Mm. why you have such a grind in those games because there are people playing it a huge amount. And so you're then kind of playing this, that they're the game balanced for them. Yeah. For them rather than for you and your enjoyment from a more, I don't want to use the word casual, but from like a shorter time span kind of intended gameplay. And there is a balance there because you can, you can, if you make a good grind, like Diablo, for example, Diablo 3 is a great example mm. where it had a really bad grind um, when it was first came out. Um, and then over time, they improved it. And now, it, even though that it is a huge grind, you do get a little bit of a reward each time you play. You yeah. know, no matter how long or short you play, you probably will get something and you'll be like, okay, that was cool. Like, I gained a thing, so I'm a little bit better. Here's my progress. Yes, yeah. I feel good about that. But the other thing as well, and... This is something I really think could potentially negatively impact single player games with this advent of increased amounts of multiplayer and stuff like that is that balance becomes hugely more important. Um, And suddenly, if the game is imbalanced and it's multiplayer or it has multiplayer elements, it very, very quickly becomes unfun. Mm. For example, the loot cave in Destiny the concept of a cave where monsters respawned and you could pretty much just shoot into it for hours on end and and you would be killing monsters and then you could go in and collect loads of loot and then you would get something and you just repeat that and people were like why have they made this game where you can just do this like this is so shit like why is this a thing and it's like well because that's the game right like the game is like you you kill things and you get random drops The problem is, is that in a single player game, if a single player game had that loot cave, you as the one person playing the game can decide whether to exploit that that exploit. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. You know, if you want to, then fine. You know, and then you can be like, haha, I'm super uber. That comes back to the I can now play the rest of the game being amazing. Yeah. And and some people like that. Like some people enjoy doing that kind of thing and they just then enjoy being amazing at this game. The problem in a multiplayer environment like Destiny is some people are going to do that. And so if you don't, you are now 
at a disadvantage because you are behind the balance yeah. is a problem and and i think that can really cause problems in single player games and i think it can really water down a single player game to Definitely. have to mellow it out such that no one can get too you know imbalanced and no one mechanic is too imbalanced over something else and and one th- final example of where like in a single player game where it doesn't matter back to horizon zero dawn again there's armor at the end of the game that you can get spoilers if you play if you're playing horizon zero dawn and you don't want to hear about this armor but you probably already know and it's like the best armor in the game and it basically gives you like a a shield a a regenerating shield on top of your health and it's like that is so massively imbalanced compared to all the other armor in the game but you can only get it when you finish the game exactly it doesn't matter you've already finished the game yeah and it's like that's totally fine because you can be uber and you can be it's your reward for playing the game and now you can kind of go and be a bit silly with it yeah but you can't do that in destiny you can't give people like this uber armor for doing something that is so amazing otherwise it's just a race to the finish and that's not fun either exactly and that then the problem is is that that game that you you port to kind of intend to play mostly on your own with maybe like playing with your friends every so often stops being fun because you can't really like again i don't want to pick on destiny because i know (laughs) it is a good game like critically it's great yes with flaws obviously but it is still great Mm. i just don't like it that much myself (laughs) um (laughs) wait until we get tom back on to talk about destiny (laughs) yeah you go in and and you kind of forced in a lot of instances especially some of the more kind of mid to late gamey stuff where you have to kind of play with people you have to kind of like do those fire is it fire teams fire yeah you know you know what i mean those three mans and you just feel so kind of like inadequate and sort of like you feel like you can't really group with people because you feel sort of like out of place because you've not kept up and that's not what you want from your your quote-unquote single player game yeah that's not to say that all the games, all single player games or just game general that mix multiplayer elements into them do so in a kind of an either a negative way or mm. as much of a interfering way. There's quite a few decent examples of working kind of cool and unique multiplayer twists onto a single player game. Definitely. Well, the one I always think of, and I know a lot of people think of it as well, is Journey on mm. um, PS3. That's a single player game. It's, I, I mean, game. It is a game, but it's it's all, it's a game and an art piece, right? Like it's an experience. To, to some yeah, it's an experience, and it it is primarily a single player experience. But you do meet other people through the game. It's not even obvious that they're other players. Hmm. Um, it's actually kind of meant to be ambiguous. You're meant to kind of not really realize. And there's so many emergent things that can happen from these people that just kind of like drift in and drift out of your game and you can't really communicate with them and it's a very linear game so you're all on the same path and you know that person that you randomly meet is going in the same direction as you so you end up sort of tagging along for a while and then you know something happens and you turn around and they've gone because the game sinks them out of your game and puts Mm -hmm. them in someone else's or whatever and that is such a great example of incorporating it's not even multiplayer is it it's technology yeah. again you know we're back to, te- we're back to the technology, technology discussion yeah. the ability to just drop people in and out of games without them having to specifically connect to a server and switch yeah. on their modem and all of yes. that stuff like you can just have those multiplayer mechanics just fading yeah. in and out and it doesn't matter if it's not working right or whatever because it's just i don't know it's just seamless um mm-hmm. that's really really cool that's very important as well that the seamless element is super important because yeah 
if it's not, then that's jarring because you're playing your single player game. And then if your game then pauses and then like, you know, fades to a, like a slightly <laughs> blackened screen saying connecting to multiplayer sessions, yeah. like, well, no, I don't want to do that. Exactly. Let me just yeah. play my game. But then like you say, if you're playing Journey and then all of a sudden, and, and there are other games that do it too, and I'm going to talk about one in a second, that you're just playing and all of a sudden there's like something going on. It's like, that doesn't seem quite right. Isn't it? Oh God, I think that's a real person. Oh, oh, mm. oh what's going on? That's kind of cool, especially yeah. if you weren't expecting it, but it isn't obtrusive, you know? Like one game that happened for, that, that happened for me was Watch Dogs. Because mm. I know Watch Dogs got quite a lot of uh, bad, kind of bad press. Like it was kind of a, I don't want to say flop, because it wasn't a flop, it sold really well. <laughs> but it was quite, um, <laughs> it, it was quite a negative sort of like response a lot of the time, yeah. wasn't it? But I quite enjoyed the game as a whole, in fairness. I actually, I, I had a lot of fun with it. And the the whole sort of like hacking slash invasion angle of other players is really cool. Like I thought mm. it was super interesting. And you can choose to turn off the functionality so it's not there at all, which again, I think is really important. Like having just an option, kind of built in game option where you can turn on your firewall or something. So it's not even like an option. Do you want to enable multiplayer? You know? Yeah. That, you say, do you want to enable like a, an anti-hacker firewall? Um, you know, but you maybe like it means you can't connect to other people as much either. So they can make it so it's like there's incentive to wanting to leave it on, but you can turn it off. Yeah, the ability for other players to sort of invade your game and try and hack you, kind of midway through what you're doing. It was super kind of cool and interesting and unique. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's really awesome. And then you were invested. And then you're always kind of on your toes as well because you, you're never sure when it's going to happen unless you're in like a main story mission. Because uh, it kind of dis- disables it during like the, the main story so that you aren't interrupted, you know, by a random person driving into you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just a really great use of that sort of like persistent multiplayer aspect where, yeah. you know, you can, you, and, and you, obviously without even realizing, sometimes you drift into people's games as well. Like you can end up wanting to hack someone as part of your missions and you go into their game without even realizing you're in their game. It's very mm, clever. That's really cool. It's sort of similar with things like uh, the Dark Souls games, well, the Souls games in general, like Bloodborne. Yes. So, where, again, you can be called into other people's worlds for help, or you can try and invade their world to hurt them. Yeah. And, like, leaving the uh, the messages and like, yes. people seeing your death ghosts and things like that. I was that. just going to say that. Yeah, like, they have... The Dark Souls games, yeah, they're almost like a specimen example of this because they incorporate mm. so many different types of this mixture of interesting multiplayer and you know like you say like you've got messages invading and support seeing people dying in front of you you know to give you a hint there's like there's a difficulty aspect there as well right like we've talked before about arbitrary difficulty versus difficulty being well baked in and dark souls the fact that you can ask people to help you is a great example of that not just turning down the difficulty, but yeah. you know, it's like you get someone to help you, and obviously then it's easier because it's so much easier. Yeah, definitely. It it's almost like the super guide in one of yeah. the Nintendo games, but so much less less obvious and less yeah. like obnoxious about it too. Because like generally speaking, if if someone's going to respond to your request then chances are they'll know what they're doing and they're probably quite good at the game. And as a result, they yeah. could probably do this on their own without you. <laughs> but you still feel epic doing it as a result. Like, So it works really well. I've just thought, are there any platforming games that do that? Like you just mentioned the Super Guide, the Nintendo Super Guide, where it's like the, ge- the game plays the level for you and completes it. Hmm. I wonder if there's like a space there or like a an idea there for like a platformer that is a little bit like dark souls like it's really really hard and you can get someone to join in and then they can like 
do something to help you out a little bit mm. like co-op in a lot of platformers recently anyway like you know where maybe they can like make a bridge for you or something yeah i was gonna they... say like the, the the new rayman games do sort of that for local multiplayer like mm. one of the control one of the uh, kind of people can control like the little like helper dude that kind of yeah. flies around the screen making platforms and moving them around yeah. and stuff but i mean maybe there is an example of like a, an online version of that where you can kind of like request help from yeah. like a, a benevolent spirit and that kind of that would then summon a real person to sort of give you a hand and you know make a platform move in a way that wouldn't otherwise be able to move for you you could have people invade your level as well and to make then it harder like for you they yeah. can like, like destroy enemies attack stuff you more you. directly rather than just sort of like moving on, yeah. on paths and yeah, stuff like that. See, this is where a lot of the elements that we discussed earlier in the episode, which are a little bit more negative and have kind of like problems and are sort of there because it increases your chances of staying for longer, thus spending more money, which is part of gaming, I understand. This is where that technology is used to just enhance the experience. Like, yeah. There's no real benefit to the developers for adding these things in other than just making the game cooler. Yeah. And that that's where I think the technology is used best, really. Like... Mm. I mean, I feel any game that can be made more interesting, but also have a more lasting impression on you, because that's that's a, that's different as well. Interesting and lasting impressions are different. Mm. That is the ultimate goal there. Because like I was talking to you earlier uh, about like my experiences in Elite. Like I really love Elite Dangerous like a lot. Like I have a lot. Of, I've had a lot of fun with it. But some of the things that I remember the most out of all of my experiences, like my hundreds of hours playing the game, are the small, short interactions I have with other players during my kind of playthrough, my gameplay. Mm. Like while I'll jump into a system and like pirates will attack me, like real player pirates, but they'll role play it for me, you know, and then I'll role play it back as well. So it's it's far more engaging. I'll remember that. I won't remember those, yeah. you know, that 20 hours I spent just flying to and from the same station to try and make <laughs> money. But that was only because they've got this sort of like passive multiplayer element within their single player game. Yeah, you're right. And also it does help like Elite is a particular kind of community where that sort of mechanic works. But you're right that it is it is only made possible by the way that the multiplayer works and the way that the technology works to sort of facilitate that. You're right. It's interesting. Yeah, you're right. We've kind of inadvertently grouped the the games that we've talked about into two things right like adding multiplayer for the sake of uh, not for the sake of but like to further increase the longevity of a world um, and a game and then on the other side we've talked about you know really interesting mechanics and building new types of games using multiplayer as a technology so to speak and we're using Mm. the internet i guess (laughs) I think after this episode, we kind of have to, and we're going to put ourselves into a corner here for saying this, but I think we need to have that discussion about like the marching of technology and what that's enabled. Because I mean, amount of times we've kind of talked about like the increasing availability of high-speed internet, you know? Yeah. Because um, it does, it's made such a huge difference. It really mm. has, both from like the distribution of games to the playing of games, to the experience of games, to sharing of games, you know? And this is very evidence of where that technology has caused all of these things to be able to be the case, regardless of whether they're positive or negative. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And I I, I like a lot of games that use these ideas, and I think this is basically the way forward, especially with, like, the constant integration of, say, social media into these things. Yeah. The ability for, like, you to share your gameplay on, like, Twitch. Not Well, yeah, Twitch, I suppose, that was what I was going to say, but Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, it says you can just press the share button on a lot of things now, and it automatically uploads a clip. It's more and more integrating it into social networking, so the more and more 
in more and more cases, multiplayer games, sorry, single player games, will become going to become multiplayer games, even if you don't want them to. Yeah, and obviously, in some instances, this is good, this is bad. But I think everyone has kind of different opinions. So, if you want to let us know what yours are regarding like where yeah. games should be going, I mean, do you think that maybe this is like a really good thing and developers need to utilize it even more and it should just be all games should be integrated then you know let us know alternatively are you more on like the side of i want my game to be my game (laughs) and leave me alone sort of thing unless i want to go into the multiplayer kind of going back you know to a more i don't know innocent time what was that like less of a it's very you know, less tinted glasses <laughs> yeah i think it is but go, you see you can choose to enter the multiplayer version of a game you know let us know <laughs> yeah and actually also i will uh, share a link in the show notes to an article that i previously shared on twitter and read um, and i also shared with you which kind of like spurred on this discussion i think which mm-hmm. was from digital trends and they sort of talk about the the headline is is everyone is going to start playing mmos again whether they realize it or not and that's kind of what we've been talking about here as well yeah, um, they talk more good, yeah. yeah they talk more specifically about loot boxes and um you know and, and destiny and stuff like that but still you should definitely go and read that if you found this mm. interesting it's a good article yeah it is a good article and yeah and then let us know what you think of that and this episode. And as, as Seth says, you know, maybe maybe you disagree with us, or you you want games to be you want games to be different and not be heading this way. You can tweet us at octalfm. You can email us show at octal.fm, and or you can come and find us on Facebook and come and message us on there. And also, we have recently managed to get on a few more podcast tools and mm-hmm. apps and stuff you can now find us on tune in as well as everywhere else like it's interesting this is very tangential but just if you're interested listener if you're not interested in the world of podcasting then you can you can stop now this is basically the end of the episode <laughs> but if you are interested there's this weird split between apps that are either completely open to any podcast being added or they actually just piggyback off iTunes and the iTunes podcast listing, which is kind of self-service. And then there's this kind of trend towards a much higher level of curation. Hmm. Um, And so, for example, Spotify podcasts, there is no way to get your, your podcast added to Spotify at the moment. You know, you have to just be an established network. Or I think if your podcast is hosted by Libsyn, which is one of the bigger podcast hosting companies and services mm. they can apply on your behalf to be to get you into spotify um but it's kind of frustrating because a lot of people do use spotify and you're a bit like well you've got no chance if we can't even be on that app yeah. part of podcasts and, and and running a podcast is you need to be everywhere because everyone has a different app that they like to use in a different so service. many ways of doing it yeah yeah there Unlike are something like, like uh, youtube or twitch for kind of video for, for, for yeah. video streaming they're sort of the go-to whereas for podcasts there is no go-to podcast really no it's like obviously there's apple and, uh, and itunes which is the biggest one but then you know google google play as well google ha- google play have po- have a podcast section i'm pretty certain i can't add octal fm to google play because they don't have their podcast service in the uk and so i can't <laughs> apply because it stops me from visiting it from the uk great I don't know. It's just weird. Like there's just this weird disparity. But anyway, so we managed to get on TuneIn, which was also one of these ones that are a little bit like locked down. Curated, yeah. Managed to contact them and we've been added on there. In fact, if you 
have been recommended this podcast or you know or you you use an app that we we're not on then do let us know um and i'll make sure to get us added on there but you just know where listeners come from yeah for sure yeah it's it's really interesting and please do leave a review on whatever service you use as well that that makes a huge difference um definitely. it doesn't that, matter if long is. just like a short like yeah it was cool yeah. or oh this is interesting exactly definitely anything is better than nothing that's for sure hmm. but in the meantime i have been gelada and i have been Severin. and catch us again for another episode of octal fm very soon stay connected Oh, I was, I was like, he's going to think of a pun. <laughs> I got it, I got it, I got it, I did it. I want the puns. The puns are mine. <laughs> <laughs>